0: Sorry. So, this last, uh, about two weeks ago, I got a new uh, cell phone, one of the smartphones, you know, the, the ones you can do all sorts of things on. And it was because I got a letter from Telus saying that the network that my old phone was on, they were shutting it down. <laughs> so, I had to, to get with the times, I guess. And, you know, I, I used, I've had a cell phone. Uh, I think my parents got me one when I was a, a teen, you know, just to have in my car, so if something ever went wrong. Um, and it was amazing. Like, you could call from just about anywhere. I mean, there's a few stretches here along three where, you know, no cell phone works. But, but uh, you could call from just about anywhere. And it's amazing. You can call just about anywhere. I mean, think about how amazing it is. I know we kind of take it for granted now, but you can make cell phone calls in your car while you're traveling down the road. You could call halfway around the world if you wanted to and you had the money to afford it. But, <laughs> but it's amazing. But the thing I'm realizing is, The smartphone, it's like a handheld computer that's also a phone. And I'm surprised even more. Not only can you make calls to people, but you can text people. I can check my email, my calendar. I have it with me in in the palm of my hand. And it keeps me up to date so I make sure I don't miss meetings and things like that. Not only that, but I can work on my sermon if I wanted to. It would be difficult and tiny, but I could work on it. I can look at documents, I can have my Bible on it, I have a Bible application on it, so I always have the Word of God with me in my pocket. It's amazing what it will do. And I started thinking about it, as I'm thinking about us working through this series the last month and a half, or about, well, about a month, as we've been working through this series, starting with the beginning with Genesis, and, and how we often talk about salvation, or the gospel being about salvation, forgiveness of our sin, and the hope of heaven when we die, and that's amazing news. But I also realize that as I've been working, as we've been working through these last few weeks, it's sort of like the main part of the phone is you can make calls. Like, that's amazing. But I'm starting to realize as we hear the stories of the promises that God has made to Abraham, the, the, back in Genesis when God, uh, God created all of creation, then he created us, humanity, in his image. And what that means for us, the dignity and the honor that that means that we have that's created in God's image but also the work that he's given us to do, this vocation to be, to be um, his the stewards and his, and his rulers over this creation, this creation that he's created. Not only that, but then things went horribly wrong with Adam and Eve, the representatives of all of humanity, when they did the one thing that God told them not to do. And everything went wrong. Their relationship with God was cracked. Their relationship between each other was, was, was made wrong. It was broken. The relationship with creation, all of creation, started going wrong. And that could have very easily been the end of the story. But not with our God. Not with this amazing God that we have. He started working through Avram, Abram, who came from the land of Ur, which is kind of today, modern-day Iraq. And he brought him out of that land. And he made a promise to him, even in his old age, that he would have children. And his wife, who had never had any children in her 90s, that she would have children. That they would have a son, and that nations would come from them, and that nations would be blessed by them, and that kings would come from them, and that they would have a home, this land that would always be their home. These amazing promises that God started with Abram, gave him the name Abraham, which means father of the nations. He started drawing the nations to him through this one family. Well, then you fast forward a, a few hundred years, Four or five hundred years, and the people, Abraham's descendants, were slaves in Egypt. And God said, This is not going to do. It. And so he brought his people out of slavery, gathered up his people, sent his servant Moses, and he brought his people out of slavery. And he brought them to this mountain called Sinai, and there he gave them another promise that built on top of the first promise he made to Abraham. He said, come and live this way. Here's how I want you to live, so that you can relate to me in the right way. But also so that you will be a royal priesthood. A nation of priests. A holy nation. That not only will you relate to me in the right way, but also you'll begin to gather the rest of the nations. Not only will they see uh, how you live with me, but they'll see it and they'll want to be a part of it too. So God gave this, this law, this covenant at Sinai. And the people lived for a, a few more hundred years. And then they had this great king. His name was David. And God gave another promise to David. And he said, he said, I'm going to make sure that you always have an heir on the throne. And not only is your heir going to be king over this nation, he's going to be king over all the nations. He will be the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Savior, over all of creation, over all the nations. These promises keep building with Abraham, and then how it builds a bit more at Sinai, and then it builds a bit more with, with David. And we heard about it last week with Isaiah as all these promises had sort of looked like they were going off the rails as the people were going into exile. And God reminded the people of his promise through his prophet Isaiah that a shoot would come up from the stump of Jesse, that a king was coming out of the house of David. Don't be afraid. Even though you're going into exile, you will come back. I have not forgotten my promises. We see all of these promises throughout human history, hundreds and thousands of years ago, that they, they continue to build on each other. Now, some of you might be asking, thanks for the history lesson. Jason, that's great. It's great to hear how God was at work way back then. What does this have to do with my life right now? Where does this touch down in the things that I'm wrestling with right now? Loss of a loved one, looking at Christmas without a spouse, or financial difficulties. How does this work out in the the fact that I can't hardly pay my bills right now? Jason, how does this matter in my marriage right now that feels like it's falling apart? How does this matter with my relationship with my parents or with my kids how does this matter with the fact that my job is things are going wrong I have trouble with a coworker? How does this matter right now? And what does any of this have to do with a smartphone? Well, that's why I love the word of God. That's why I love the scriptures. All of the scriptures. The Old Testament and the New Testament. The great story of God's redemption. The great story that God was never going to leave us alone. That even things went horribly wrong. God is at work making things right. Making things right in our lives right now. So what I'm getting at here is that God has made a new covenant. Today we're going to be looking at Jeremiah. When God speaks to him, he says, The days are coming when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. A new promise that won't be like the old promise. It will be new. God has made a new covenant. And this is good news for us. But some of you might be thinking, okay, so why did we need a new promise? I mean, it sounded pretty good, the thing that he had done with Abraham, the promise to bless all the nations. And the promise at Sinai, to help people know how to relate to him. And the promise of a king who would always be on the throne over all the nations. Why why do we need a new promise? Well, part of it was the people of Israel were struggling to be faithful to God's promises. They were struggling to live out their part of the covenant. Now, before we're too hard on Israel, think about this. How perfect are any of us? How well do we follow what we know God has called us to do? How often do we stumble? How often does our anger get the better of us? How often do we cut corners on people? How often do we hear God saying, this is what I want you to do, and we say, yeah, but I don't think so. And we do our own thing. You see, the thing is, the the people of Israel, they had been this nation that God had selected to bring the nations to them, and yet they just couldn't quite fill out the promise or the covenant that God had made with them. They went through this cycle of, of rebellion against God. And then repentance, Lord, forgive us. And then God would restore them. And they went through the cycle again and again and again. In some ways, it's almost like a downward spiral. (laughs) Rebellion and repentance and restoration. Until finally God said, this can't go on. And he brought a, a country out of the north, Assyria, to come. And they took the north kingdom into exile. And then a few hundred years later, they took the southern kingdom. Babylon came and took the southern kingdom into exile. And so you have this people there's people who know that God is working through them, that God has made a promise to them, that they would be a blessing to the nations, that they would always have a home, that a great king would come for them, that it would rule over all the nations. They know that God has made this promise to them, and yet here they are in exile, in a foreign land. Their heart is broken. Their land is gone. They need a new promise. They need a new hope. And God, in his Hesed love, his never-ending, never-stopping, never-giving-up, always-and-forever love, makes a new promise with them, a new covenant. Here, let's read it together. If you take out your sheet and your insert, it's Jeremiah 31, or if you want to look in your Bibles. God speaks through Jeremiah and he says, The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. God is making a new covenant. A new covenant with his people. This amazing new promise that it would not only include the people of Israel but all the nations through our Lord Jesus Christ. But look at this next part. It says, This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Listen to that. No longer will be the law be written on stones, external from us. He said, I will put it in their minds. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. God has given this new covenant, and not only that, but a way of following it, by putting it in us, putting it in His people. The stone or the, the law won't be written somewhere on a wall. it will be in us. God's amazing new covenant will be for His people. So God has made this new covenant. And this new covenant is also good news for us. Now I know we've probably heard something like this before, but this new covenant is good news for us. Because Jesus has fulfilled this covenant. Jesus has established this covenant among us and made us a part of God's family through it. I mean, in this text here, it says that, that you will know God. No longer will man teach his neighbor, nor a man his brother saying, know the Lord, because they will know me from the least to the greatest, declares the Lord. In this new covenant, we will know God. No longer will we need a mediator. Christ has made us right with God through his sacrifice, through his cross, and through his resurrection. We've been made right with God. And we have this amazing relationship with him. I mean, think about this. I know we've heard this thousands of times, maybe even said it thousands of times. But we begin the Lord's Prayer, our Father in Heaven. Think about that. Calling the Lord God Almighty our Father. Think about that level of relationship that we have with God now because of this new covenant, because of what he's done through Jesus. Jesus. No longer is God distant, way out in the cosmos somewhere. But he's our Father in heaven, who we can go directly to and ask, no longer needing a priest to talk to him for us. This amazing relationship that we have with God. But Jeremiah makes this other connection, too, with knowing God. A bit earlier in in Jeremiah's book, he said, this is what knowing God is like. He said, this is what the Lord says. Let not not the wise person boast in their wisdom, nor let the strong boast in their strength, nor let the rich boast in their riches, but let the person who boasts, let them boast about this, that they understand and know know the Lord God, that they know me, and that they know that I am the Lord, and that I desire to exercise justice and kindness and righteousness over all the earth, for these are the things that I desire. That this is what knowing God includes. is exercising His justice, His righteousness, His kindness in this world. Jesus talked about this with His disciples. He said, whatever you do to the least of these, you've done this to me. So part of us knowing God is our relationship with Him, the vertical part. Being in a great, amazing relationship with God, but part of it too is our relationship with each other. with Our relationship with, with the people here in this room. Our relationship with our friends and our neighbors and our community. That's what knowing God means. Not only our relationship with Him, but our relationship with each other. In kindness, in justice, in righteousness. This is knowing God. So this amazing new covenant helps us to know God. But there's also this great part, and many of us are familiar with this part. At the very bottom it says, For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. There is forgiveness in this new covenant. Not by something that we've done to earn it, but by God's grace. The things that have gone wrong in our life, the horrible things, the things that we're ashamed of, the things we could wish we could go back and undo, the things we don't even like to talk about, God has forgiven them. He's made them right. He's made us right with himself. This new covenant is marked by forgiveness. Now, that's not to say that somehow the old covenant, God wasn't forgiving. No, not at all. God has been forgiving from the beginning. Think about God's grace I mean, Adam and Eve, they had rebelled against him, and, God's, and, and they, they received this curse. And then, God, very next thing, God starts working out a plan to save all of creation again. Or think about the promises that He made with Abraham, with Moses, and with David. Think about the promises that He made to the people of Israel. On how many years, how many centuries, generations after generations of them not faithfully doing what God had called them to do. And yet, God is still gracious, long suffering, and He loves them. God has always been gracious. God has always been faithful. But now, through his Son, through our Lord Jesus Christ, he's doing something amazing. Or he has done something amazing and new. Jesus is the great King, the great Messiah, God's Son, the Messiah Messiah who represents all of Israel and finally and faithfully does what they could never do. This faithful representative of all of Israel who finally lived without blame. Who was perfect, who did everything righteously, and that he died so that we might have his righteousness, that we might be made righteous through him, through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, the fact that he's a senator that sits at God's right hand. this has made us right with God. We are forgiven through Jesus. So not only do we have this ability to know God, not only are we forgiven in this new test or in this new covenant. But we also have this amazing gift of God's Spirit. Now I know Jeremiah doesn't talk about it in this passage, but Ezekiel, when he talks about the New Covenant, he says, we will receive God's Spirit. He said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit, listen to this, I will put my spirit in you. And then I will move you I will move you to keep my decrees and to be careful to follow all of my laws. That God will be the one who's growing us. God will be the one helping us to be faithful to him. His spirit is the one that fills us. So God, not only does God help us to know him through this new covenant, not only are we forgiven in this new covenant, but we also receive God's spirit And the amazing thing is he opens the door for all the nations in this new covenant. Isaiah talks about it at the end of his book about the last third of it from verse 40 to verse 60. He's talking about how all the nations will be drawn into this new covenant through God's people. He says you'll be a light to the Gentiles. All the nations will come. That being part of God's family is no longer about becoming Jewish. It's no longer about the food we eat or the food we don't eat. It's no longer about certain days that we keep holy or not. Paul talks about it in his letter to the Romans. He said, some people think one day is especially holy. Others think that all the days are the same. Those are okay. It no longer depends on what days you celebrate. But it's by faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus the Messiah. So no longer do, do you need to even be circumcised. This quintessential uh, sign that you belong to the people of God, that doesn't even matter anymore. You can be a part of God's kingdom, a part of God's family through faith in Jesus, by his faithfulness. See, that's the thing. This new covenant is amazing, and it's, it's surprising how different it is. This covenant is not going to be based on our response. See, at Sinai, God gave promises. He gave a covenant, and there there were blessings if they followed it, and there was curses if they did not. And in this new covenant, God says, it's not going to be based on your faithfulness, it'll be based on my faithfulness. The living God has given us a new covenant that's based on his faithfulness, not ours. That he will be faithful. That he's the one who will help us to follow him. To put a new spirit in us, that we would actually desire to do what he's called us to do. No longer will this this new covenant be written on a stone. This new covenant is going to be written on your heart. It's going to be part of who you are. I will put my spirit in you, and you will desire to do it. It's not going to be something that you have to pull yourself up by the bootstraps to try and do. When you're filled with my spirit, you will want to live for me. You will want to live the way that I desire you to live. It's no longer about trying. It's no longer about trying to do the right thing. It's about faithfully following God's spirit in us, about being faithful to him. And the amazing thing is, the best part is, it was fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus is the one who has established this new covenant. He is is the one. It's by his righteousness that we are brought into the people of God. That it no longer matters if you're Jewish or not. So that we have been baptized into Christ. There's no longer Jew nor Greek, no longer slave nor free, no longer male nor female. All are one in Christ Jesus. This new covenant is amazing news for us. We've been brought into the people of God. Paul talks about it in his letter to the Romans. He said, You've been grafted into the tree. You've been grafted into the family tree of God. Which is interesting when you think about it for us. I've said this before, but I don't have any Jewish roots or any Jewish heritage in my life or my family. I'm mostly Northern European. But by my faith in Jesus, this story that begins in Genesis and works through Ab and Eve, Cain and Abel, Noah, Abraham, through the judges, through the kings, through David, through Solomon, through Josiah, through Hezekiah, through Moses, through the prophets, that works all the way up to Jesus of Nazareth. This is also my story, too, in Him. This reminds me that the Old Testament is not somehow a long introduction to the really good part. It's all the good part, it's all part of our story. And this is where we get to it. This is, it gets back to the question that we asked in the beginning. What does all of this history, what do all of these covenants, this whole Old Testament, what does this matter for my life other than just, you know, nice history to read about? How does it matter to me right now? And what does any of this have to do with a smartphone? The good news is, this story is our story. Because of our faith in Jesus, this amazing story of God's promises that have begun thousands of years ago, that have built on each other, that find their climax in Jesus of Nazareth. All of this is our story too. This new covenant that we have been drawn into by our faith into Jesus, it makes this whole story our story. We are part of the big story of God. Our stories, and as important as they are in our lives, the story of our life is brought into the big story of God. But the Old Testament is not just a long introduction that we could just sort of over we could just sort of look over once we become believers in Jesus. Because I'd say it's hard to even know who Jesus is without understanding the Old Testament, without realizing who Jesus is. Now it's true, you could I mean people have talked about it I've, that you can focus on the gospel down to this one thing that we've been saved from our sin and that we have hope of heaven when we die. That is absolutely true. That is central to the gospel. The gospel, good news, the gospel is also bigger than that. The gospel, amazingly, as amazing as it is that we've been saved, that we've been forgiven, that we have hope of heaven when we die, as amazing as that is, as much as that has changed my life, the gospel is bigger than that. It includes all of the story that God has been bringing forward, all of these promises that he's been working out, that he has finally fulfilled in Jesus, that Jesus is this great king who has brought God's great kingdom. That God cares for our souls, absolutely, but he also cares for our whole life. This is where it begins to touch down. This is where it begins to matter in our lives. That God cares about your whole life. He cares about your soul, absolutely, but he cares about your whole life. He cares about the pain that you're feeling right now. He cares about the loss that you're going through right now. He cares about your marriage and how broken it is or how good it is. He cares. He cares about the pain that you feel in your body, the surgeries that you have coming, the things that are scaring you. God cares about these things. He's intimately involved in your life. And not only that, not just your life, not just our lives. He is intimately involved in the community around us. I mean, I've seen people come and just show up to the church and just say, you know, God was showing me. I saw a star in the sky. And I knew God loved me and I needed to be here. That's not any sort of great evangelical or evangelism program. People just showing up. God at work way out in front of us, bringing people into this community. Bringing people in to gather here to worship. That God is intimately involved passion about every aspect of our lives. And he wants to see our whole lives redeemed. Not just someday when we die, but it matters right now. And it matters to our whole community, to our friends and neighbors who are trying to make life work with the stuff that they have, or by the size of their bank account, or by some addiction they use just to get by. God cares about that. And he's at work in that. I pray that you're seeing that Sure, like, like, a, like a cell phone, like a smartphone. You can use it just for calling. That's amazing in and of itself. But when you start to realize this amazing story, all of these promises that have been building, that, that affect our soul and our eternal destiny with God, but also righteousness and justice, compassion and mercy in the community around us, in our lives, it begins to show us how big this gospel is. How amazing it is for our lives, for every aspect of who we are and who our community is. This is where it touches our lives. So maybe some of you are thinking, okay, a lot to think about there. What do I do with this? Well, I I don't want to undermine what God's Spirit is is doing in you, but I would suggest one thing this week. Do one thing this week at least. Praise God. If that's all you were able to do this week, do that. Say, thank you, God. Thank you for this new covenant. Thank you for this new hope we have, that, that we can know you. Thank you, that God, that we can know you and that you have filled us with your Spirit and that we are forgiven through your Son and that you have made us part of your people. Praise God for this good news. And praise God, he's using you to bring his kingdom into this community. Amen. I'm curious. I mean, I know that we covered a lot of